Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many, um, just governmentally, how many breakdowns through customs does it require to smuggle the vampire right. back in from, from the Middle East? Holy cow. Uh, I'm guessing that he just went through Hobby Lobby because they're apparently very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> Hobby Lobby, and then there's that museum out in DC. That is funded by Hobby Lobby. Yeah, so. <laughs> they're like, oh, you need to smuggle something from the Middle East? Yeah. Uh, yeah. we everybody welcome back to the show i'm seth you are probably just as busy as i am right i'm recording this quite literally just a few days before thanksgiving there's a lot going on so yeah welcome to the holidays folks you and i we're in it together i really thank you so very much for downloading the show i know that you have a lot going on and however you got here i am so glad that you're here I don't remember when exactly. I don't remember what I was reading or where I was reading it. I don't remember if it was a text message or a phone call. But someone that I trust, it must have been so, told me, hey, there is a show on Netflix called Midnight Mass, and I think that you would like it. I said, well, what is it? And they said, well, it's kind of this and it's kind of that. And the horror word got thrown around. And here's what you need to know about me. Horror does not interest me at all. I have tried. Oh man, I've tried. Like I, I haven't watched any of the classics because I just, yeah, I just don't like horror movies. It's not that I get scared. I really don't. It's that I get bored and I don't find the stories all that compelling. I don't like them for the same reason that I don't like romantic comedies. I feel like I've seen it, and I feel like I've seen it. So, all that to be said. I decided to give it a go because, again, the nameless person that escapes me right now told me, hey, you would like this. They were not wrong. So I went online and I said, I want to talk about this with someone. Both Kathy and JR, I think, were volunteered uh, to come on. And so both Kathy and JR are back, returning guests of the show, to talk about Midnight Mass. It is important to realize and understand, however, that there is not a way to talk in detail for an hour about a show that exists today without some spoilers. And so if for some reason you haven't watched the show and you think you might, or any other reason that you hate spoilers, some people just hate them, you're going to want to not listen to this one. If that's not you, or if you've seen the show, stick around. This was fun. Here we go. Both of you, welcome back to the show. How about that? That works out well. Yeah. Super fun. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. No, good. Yeah. Um, so briefly, because I do want to talk about um, this Netflix show, um, but briefly, it's probably been, so for, for you, JR, it's probably been a year. Kathy, for you, it's, it's probably been two, three years. I don't know. Two, three years. Too yeah. many years. What's new for y'all? Whoever wants to go first. Like, what are the things that you would, you would want people to go, oh, yeah, here's some things that, that matter. Um, I think since we last spoke, I left uh, my vocational ministry job and uh, have been hanging out, doing 
all sorts of different things, writing on the side, teaching yoga, managing the yoga studio, um, but taking a break from that space of evangelicalism and being like rooted in that space. Mm. So yeah, that's, that's probably the biggest thing that's changed. I think since we last talked, yeah, yeah. that's probably healthy. Um, yeah, <laughs> so. I probably should have done that a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> JR, how about you? Yeah, so I've started writing for a couple of new outlets. Uh, I have had a couple of articles go up at Sojourners. Uh, one on Robin coming out as gay, well, as, as queer. He he didn't actually come out as anything specific, but um, kind of what that means for comics and comic readers. Oh, the oh DC one. character. I was like, Robin who? Yeah, okay. Robin, okay. Robin of Batman and. Understood. Yeah, sorry. Gotcha. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I forget that not everyone interprets everything through the lens of comics first, like I do. So, um, you know, Robin. Uh, yeah. It's like share. Uh-huh. Uh, there's only the the one, uh, except there's like 15 of them. It's fine, whatever. Anyway, uh, and then the other one was they they just decided to call it. I'm a pastor and I love horror movies. Here's why. So it's it's sort of a what what value horror has for spiritual formation, which is and that's and that's you. You're writing that. I'm writing. I'm the pastor who loves horror movies. And that's also yes. on Sojourners. Um, on Sojourners, uh-huh. and then I also had my first article, hopefully of many, to go up at Tor.com, which is a sci-fi and fantasy publisher actually on reading uh, vampire stories through the lens of monster theory and how that applies to church abuse and purity culture. Those so, are all words that make sense independently. <laughs> I'll have to, is, is that published? I'll have to read that. I also thought it Tor is, was it, like the onion browser. So I'm, I'm a bit confused there, but no Tor is a sci-fi fantasy um, publisher. Like they're one of the, they're kind of the OG like big fantasy. So one I'm of so the things of I love depth. about writing there. Well, one of the things I love is that they're not a they're not a, a Christian platform, right? Their readership there mm-hmm. are Christians who read Tor like me, mm-hmm. um, but but there are a ton of people who are, are not Christians or formerly Christian or whatever. So the conversations uh, surrounding the article there and, and in that space have been really fun. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Huh. Is that that's and then can okay. you link that? Can you send that? I'd like to read yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. no problem. Huh. I, I'll happily link to anything that you want. <laughs> I'd like I'd like to read it. It's it's not stuff I normally read. Um, and I'm, yeah. I'm all about that. And, you know, and this show as well is not shows that I normally watch. I think we, the last time we spoke, JR, I said, I, I don't really watch horror ever because I can't turn like my analytical brain off where I'm like, oh, I can see the gaffer microphone. That's too bad. That's, <laughs> yeah, you know, that's too it is bad. The, there's a way to trick your brain to where you, I think for me, where I start analyzing the, like the, the sociological and cultural implications of the film and mm-hmm. so then I can like ignore all of that other stuff because I have mm-hmm. my, you know, I give that part of my brain a chew toy um, and, you know, let it, let it just go do its thing. Uh, did um, you just say a chew toy? Yeah. You know, like here, analytical brain, you won't shut up. So go, <laughs> go pay attention to this and let me enjoy this movie. And then sometimes I get to write an article afterwards. Yes. So. Awesome. That's hilarious. So I realized I didn't um, a- ask this in an email. Are, are we going to talk about this show with or without spoilers? Oh, well, I I figured with. with. Yes, great. Okay, yes, so if you're still listening and you haven't watched the show Midnight Mass on Netflix or you haven't borrowed your friend's password to watch it, um, you've been warned. Yes, get with it. <laughs> it's been out for a while now. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Also, yeah, also the Giants that. lost the game on Sunday. So another <laughs> spoiler. And uh, yeah, and for context, the Braves just beat the Astros. So yay. <laughs> Spoiled all the things for you. I've ruined, I've ruined the right. internet for the day. 
So that was funny. At some point this week, Peter and I looked, my husband and I looked at each other and we're like, is there baseball still happening? <laughs> I did the same thing. I used to be such a fan and I just, yeah, I like playing it. I like watching the kids play it. I'm not in it for 216 games or whatever it is. I'm just, I'm not in it. Uh, we are only if our team is in it. But mm-hmm. our team wasn't. So. My team's the uh, Rangers, Kath- so they haven't been in it since oh. like the '90s. Oh. Nolan Ryan, when did he leave? That's how long it's been since they've been in it. So, uh, Kathy, are you Cubs or Sox? I don't think I know this. Cubs. Thing. Okay. Cubs. <laughs> oh, you know my wife's a Cardinal, so. Cubs. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. So Midnight Mass on Netflix. Um. So I, I couldn't come up with a better conversation or question to begin the conversation than what is this show actually about? <laughs> like, like in the capital D discourse or do you want to plot somewhere? Hey, you can take Whatever. it wherever you, I that's, intentionally that's left it vague because I have, right. I have a short list of like seven things that I think it's about and I'm not sure which one of yeah. those is true. Maybe all yeah. of them. I don't know. What do y'all think oh, this show man. is actually about? I think it's, I, well, it's about religion. It's about groupthink. It's, uh, you know, the, the power of groupthink and the power of shame mm. um, in a community that uh, doesn't want to talk about its secrets, which sounds a lot like some families and some religious uh, traditions and even maybe some countries hmm. don't want to talk about <laughs> their secrets or not so secret secrets. Anyway, what do you think, JR? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the way it talks about religion is really interesting. And the uh, desire that a lot of people have for religion to be a cure all. And a religion is a place to hide from reality. Um, and also MAGA, you know, I mean, there was this very clear, like, make the island great again uh, strain that was being wrapped up in religious language. And yes. that was in many ways a, a it, it was, it was in many ways, I felt the real reason people were engaging in the religion so much you know you had the you had the core folk at the beginning of the show who are already a part of the community but then once things start getting better quote unquote that's when everyone else shows up and and it was very much part of that like uh the the best days are ahead of us we can get back to the you know get back to the good old days kind of make the island great again rhetoric Hmm. um that was then again wrapped up in resurrection and and everything uh it was also about belief right it was about Mm -hmm. Uh, the uncertainty of religion. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, how many of the seven did we check off? <laughs> a few. Um, so, no, I found it. Um, so for me, it was a lot about innocence because um, I like the way that the children are used in the show. Um, I can't remember everyone's name, but there's a young lady in the wheelchair. Um, and I, I really enjoy Ali uh, as as an innocent archetype of somebody trying to find something in his own that isn't his parents, um, you know, and arguing with his dad, who I can't remember his dad's name at the time. Um, it's called the sheriff. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, I also like, it, it's a show about, for me, 
um, about literally proof texting everything. And I also find it weird that it's a show about, um, I think, faith as a whole, building beautiful structures for our community that sit unused and vacant every day after they've been built. Um, thinking about that community center. At community the center, yeah. yeah. Literally, yeah, look at this absolutely. building we built for you with arguably yep. embezzled money, it seems. Right, and, right. And you should love coming to it. Right. Even though there's nothing offered. Well, there's it's nice walls and I really like the chair storage on the back. It was a different way to store chairs than what I've seen in a church. <laughs> it was a very nice chair storage. So much potential, so much potential. <laughs> so why, so who was the actual villain in the show? Um, like I don't actually blame, I don't want to call we'll call him the angel vampire. I don't know what you want to call him because who cares? I don't actually think that he's a villain at all. Um, because they seem to be just acting on a primal rage in the same way that my dog wants treats. So who is the actual villain of, of the series? It's Ooh. interesting that you say, say it that yeah. way, because I read, I, I you know, I, I did read the vampire as a, as a monster, you know, um, I think it was walled up in that tomb for a reason. Uh, but I mean, yeah, you can, it's pretty easy to point at Bev, uh, as as the big villain, but I think Father Paul is a villain too. Um, mm. What about you, Kathy? Well, you know, even the the angel uh, vampire character, I sometimes I think, oh well, we we separate Wall and um, are fearful of things we don't understand, and so that that for me as somebody who often is connected with um, countries or country, which is actually not my country of origin, but countries we don't understand or are fear fearful of, people we don't understand or are fearful of and are blamed for things. I think that to me is one of those like, is the vampire a villain or is it something we just don't understand and villainize? conveniently, um, and then take advantage of when it's convenient for us, which is what was happening in that arc of the story, um, that the power of becoming a vampire does things, that blood does things, mm. that serves a purpose that was convenient at the time, but you can't control that because you don't understand it. Um, and so I think for me, the, the villain is more kind of the underlying fear that people are operating out of constantly mm. in that space of, um, and not addressing the fear. So I'm not saying that fear itself is a villain and a bad thing, but that nobody ever talks about what's going on. So even the young lady who was um, paralyzed mm. from that Lisa. shooting incident, Lisa. Lisa, that's her name, okay. yes. You know, you you find out later all that she's been holding, right? And and she has that confrontation. Oh my God. <laughs> but she's been holding that in for so long. And there's no space, even in this idyllic island and parents who are supportive, she's not had that opportunity to say and speak her mind. Um, so for me, that seems that is the underlying kind of villain. That's what that's what Bev operates out of. And that's what all of the characters are operating out of. And then that becomes 
really selfish Mm. because you're not talking about the things that maybe somebody else is going through. And so you find a solution for your fear without thinking about the impact on others. Mm. Like, you know, keeping stores of rat poison Mm. may or may not have bad consequences for other people. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to apply that logic though, because, uh, if we can say, I mean, I feel like you could say what you said about the vampire. Oh, here's one we don't understand or know mm-hmm. to Bev and do the same thing. Like for me, the vampire was a monster because it was controlling Father Paul to bring death, mm-hmm. you know? And I, I think it was intentional on Flanagan's part that we don't know anything. We don't know where it came from. We don't know how old it is. We don't right. actually even know what happens to it at the end. I read it as the vampire sort of represented like the problem of evil. Like Mm. it's, it's, yeah, it's there. And we wish we knew more about it, but we never will. Um, Let's talk. And then to your point, let's talk more instead about how we interact with that like mysterious reality of evil. Sure. Um, I mean, it's tearing people's throats out. It's, it's incur. I I very much read it as it was directing father Paul. I don't know how y'all read it, but like it very much seemed like he was doing this creature's bidding to some degree or another. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I hear what y'all say about like, you know, maybe it's just a misunderstood whatever, but I, I don't know. Maybe it's also because I, I watched enough horror movies that I'm like, vampire equals scary. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it was, um, creepy as heck (laughs) and uh, the whole cave thing was kind of cool but but you knew something was up at the beginning right with all the cats and no blood Mm -hmm. it was kind of weird and that's fine because i'm not a big oh i don't know if no no i agree i agree i have um i can't breathe around cats i am on record on multiple episodes of the show that that um anything related to a feline should not exist and i'm aware that that also includes lions tigers and and that's an over exaggeration, but yeah, absolutely not. I am, mm, I am a hundred percent a dog person. Bears, uh... <laughs> bears. I don't, I don't know, know if I'm allergic to or not. I don't know. I don't know. Um. So you said rat poison. Um. Again, I want to actually go back to this. Um. First, Jr. I still don't blame that monster for doing what monsters do. Like I, just as I don't blame a dog for going after the cheek flesh after their homeowner has died, it's just I think I feel like it's just acting at a base instinct. Sorry, Kathy. <laughs> um, not that it's not. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so it's 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 you're you're reading the vampire as less than human. No, no. Um, I'm reading it as it's doing what it does. So what's the difference between it and Bev? Bev seems to be manipulating fear with a massive amount of scriptural knowledge to justify, even at sometimes taking away guilt from uh, Monsignor Pruitt at what he's doing. Like there's that massive murder scene where he basically is like, oh, shoot his head. I don't want to eat this blood, but man, that looks good. And then he sits there all night and gorges. And she's like, it's okay yes. because it says yes. this and it says this. And then, it's, and I can't remember all the stuff that she quotes. Um, you know, she seems to be honestly acting more as a really um, manipulative preacher than the priest seems to be acting, like giving people license to do things that they genuinely feel guilty about. 
um, versus like the vampire. It's a vampire. Like I don't blame a vampire for being a vampire. <laughs> well, I guess that's what I'm saying though. Is like, is like we could. I feel like we could make the same argument about Beth. We could say, you know, if we went back and looked at how she was raised and the situations in her life, we would get to the place where we're like, yeah, she's evil and manipulative. But like, evil manipulative people are gonna do what they do, and that's you know. Though she would have been like, trained by Monsignor Pruitt, apparently. So. There's that. Yeah. <laughs> right. And <laughs> and it goes back to theology, right? Do you believe that you are born inherently sinful, even if you're a baby and you've not done anything except cry the moment you're out of the womb? Absolutely not. And right. Then then who and what Bev is is completely understandable. And yet it's still horrible. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yeah. I think the the ability to hold those things in tension. Um, forces us to think about what we say we believe and then how that actually plays out in TV <laughs> on Netflix mm-hmm. or in real life, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, you know, thankfully I don't think I know anyone as extreme as Bev, but I do know people like Bev, mm. right? Who have a different line and figure murder is really, really bad. So they wouldn't do that. But come up to that line as close as they can. And and we've seen that over and over again in religion, where a religious leader takes advantage and proof texts and makes people think little bit by little bit what they're doing, even though maybe their gut says, eh, maybe we shouldn't, maybe we shouldn't use rat poison, um, makes us think, oh, maybe this is okay. For the greater good. Mm. For the greater good. Mm. The greater whatever, good. Yeah, whatever good that means. You know, America, America, whatever. <laughs> well, yeah. and, uh, you know, I, I think I think very tellingly here, uh, you go back and look at the character of Riley and what happens to him when he receives this gift. I'm using scare quotes for the listeners. Uh, the gift of the power, the vampiric power. Um he he and i love that it's in the the uh episode titled gospel mm. you know he he kills himself rather than um rather than uh take anyone you know kill anyone and i think that matters i think when you look at what what monsignor pruitt does what bev does uh specifically you know when when they have power or are uh have access to power um, and then you look at Riley, like, mm. I think you do see a clear mm-hmm. difference, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I guess for me, that's why I keep, I keep going back to standing on, like, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to the vampire as, as one of the monsters in the show. Cause I think, I think we do see intention and, and, um, you know, um, mind behind it. And I think we, I think Riley proves, and we're, I know we're going to talk about the ending in a minute. But they, they do make this comment in the last episode that it doesn't change who you are, it reveals who you are, mm-hmm. you know? And I think we see that uh, very much with Riley. Yeah. And, and he is proof for us that uh, Monsignor Pruitt doesn't have to be doing any of the things that he's doing, yeah. right? That right. none of the, that all of these okay. people who, who turn and then immediately start killing someone don't have to be doing that if they don't want to, you know? Um, 
And that's, that's for me, that's what makes Bev a villain, right? Is, is her calculation. She decides mm. you can even see it in her eyes. Oh, yeah. Scene you were talking about Seth, right? She decides to start manipulating this. Yeah. She has, she has a chance now to say, okay, do I accept the truth that all of the good that has been happening is actually rooted in this monster mm-hmm. or, or do I slap a Bible verse on it and keep the lie going? And she chooses the second, yeah. you know? Right. Yeah. And again, to your point, Kathy, I think, I think when you're in a church system that values success and prosperity and attendance and all of the, you know, markers that we usually use for success it is so easy when there are these small things, red flags, you know, which which aren't actionable items by mm-hmm. nature. If they were, they wouldn't be flags. They'd be the thing, you know, but right, they're flags. Right. They're just little warning signs. When, when things are going well, and by going well, we don't mean are becoming more holy. We mean are becoming more successful. Right. Um, it's easy to make those small compromises. And then once you've made one small compromise, it's easier to make two. And once you've made two, it's easier to three. And then it's easier to make a bigger compromise and a bigger compromise. And before you know it, we've got these insane endowment funds church scandals yeah right yeah 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 Yeah, all the stuff all the stuff that we hear about right that that, and and you wonder like did these people you almost have to wonder like did these people like were they crooked from the start and decide to get into ministry because christians are suckers well maybe maybe there's a few of those folk but i think most of us would say no probably most of the time it's well-meaning people who started out and have you did either of you watch the tammy faye movie it just mm-hmm. came out with Jessica. I have State, not, not yet. You know, I, I was, I was not really paying attention when, when all of that blew up in the world. Um, mm-hmm. But the way they paint Jim Baker in that movie is very much this other, this kind of guy, right? He, yeah, he did embezzle and he did, you know, there were all kinds of scandals. By this kind of guy, you mean like, a Bev kind of guy or a Monsignor uh, Pruitt kind of guy? What kind of guy? More of a Monsignor Pruitt kind of a guy okay. where he started out. Uh, he started out with very good intentions and arguably continued to have those good intentions. But because he made compromise, one compromise after another, he got to this place where if he told the truth, it would all come crumbling down. And he was able to point at, I mean, gosh, let's go back to that uh, terrible Marcel podcast that just ended. Um, he was able to point to all of the good against oh, yes. quotes, that happened yes. to say, see, like, yes, what I'm doing is bad but no one knows about it. And this small bad is allowing this greater good. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. <laughs> it's okay enough to keep going. Right. I don't think, I don't think he would have said it's okay, but yeah. he would have said like, it's okay enough. Yeah. You know, it's uh, the ends justify the means. Yeah. Right. That podcast that's where you get, go for it, Kathy. Well, and I was going to say, that's where you get that scene in the show where they're all in the church right? There have been so many compromises, so many lies that the only way to fix this is to have a whole island of vampires, right? Like there's no turning back. And so you're either going to fess up, but that would require humility. (laughs) That would require honesty. Literally facing the monster that you are. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. Which, which again, at that point they could say it's, 
it's the angel slash vampire, but the reality is they are the monsters, right? Mm. Bev is the monster. Monsignor is the monster. And it's easier not to do that. Let's just make everybody monsters so that we don't have to deal with the reality. So Yeah, and intentionally because the doors are locked. So you're not going to leave until you're either chattel um, or food or whatever the word is for that. Like, I forget what you, what do you feed the, like pigs? The slop? What's the word? Slop. Slop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're either going to convert or you'll be consumed um, and and become the fuel for those that have been converted. So I appreciate your volunteering for that. Um, Yeah. That that podcast though that you're referencing, JR, um, it does win some form of an award, I think, for me, for the way that it uses that intro music mixed in with, with Mark yelling at people with the King's Kaleidoscope song, it is very cleverly done. I agree. The show has many issues, but at least that little intro music theme, that is so well done. They nailed it. They nailed it. So if that's all you listen to and then just hit pause. Um, why do you, what, what purpose, so I have two questions. What purpose does this story happening around Lent serve? Um, I've tried to give more thought to that. I understand the Easter aspects of it, especially as he's, he's working through all of the different liturgies that he's doing each week um, in church. But I don't know why Lent matters so much for the beginning of the show. Um, mm-hmm. Though I do like that Riley still takes the ashes because it's like, eh, whatever. I can get behind this theoretically, scientifically. Yeah, I'm dust. I can get behind that. Um, and then why kill, I think it's Joe, why kill his dog? Like, is that just malice? Like, what is that a test? For the point, like, what is this? Why kill a dog? Because I am not a cat person, but I am a dog person. And that poor dog, I like well, that dog. you know, killing killing the beloved animal is always uh, is always the first thing that happens in a horror film. Oh. Um, it, the, in the beats of horror, there's a moment, and the cats, I think, were serving a similar kind of a thing. Um, it's an omen, right? It's a warning. It's saying, hey, something's wrong here. Uh, and, I mean, this is horrible, but it's true. Uh, you can kill a human as long as they're an adult in a, in a show. And people are like, oh, man, that's like pretty messed up. You kill a dog and people are like, this is evil. the worst. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> like there's something about uh, there's something about pets and specifically, I think, dogs. You mm-hmm. know, one dog is worth all of the cats on the island. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, there's something about that in the beats of horror that I think that's kind of, that's kind of how that goes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, Kathy, I don't know if you had any thoughts about that. Yeah, no, I think it's an observation I've made as one who does not have, um, a furry pet. We do have two geckos, very different experience. Um, is that, uh, one, Folks I know who love their pets are wonderful human beings, but also will talk about kind of this unconditional love that they get from their pets that they don't get from the humans around them. Until you die. <laughs> Until you die. Right. And then after you're after you're <laughs> dead. That's actually it's truth. I didn't it. make that up. I have a client yeah. that literally no, I, yeah. that's that's the thing. The cheek and yeah, the nose meat after, is is the tastiest, apparently. After you're dead. So, but I, so there is something about that. And then you've seen that shift over the decades where it's not just like pet food, it's like pet costumes and pet insurance. And right. So I, I do think, and it's not just uh, pets, although that's, I think a very uh, Western easy signal of like, things are 
bad, but it's nature, right? So the harbinger, the warning should be things happening in nature signals to us humans who think of the world and the earth as something that we can pillage for ourselves. It's the signal that says you're doing something wrong and that's going to impact you if you don't pay attention. So then you have a whole beach of dead cats with no blood and the instinct is, oh, just put them in a pile and burn it and don't let anybody know. Mm. That's fine. That's fine. Well, yeah, and, and to Kathy's point, right, like it's often the case in, in horror fiction that animals have a, a more immediate sense that something's wrong. Maybe, and this this would circle back, uh, Seth, to your Lent question, maybe because animals uh, lie to themselves less, right? Like they understand that we're all just sacks of meat, and so once one, once someone's dead, you can <laughs> you know eat their nose, and it's fine. Um, sacks of meat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and water. Ep- okay. Episode Sorry. title: yeah. Sacks of Meat, yeah, Ellipses, and Water. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so so there's there's also a thing where the monster will often eliminate the animal first because the animal is often the first one that will point to say to saying something's wrong. You know, whereas again, we're a lot better about lying to ourselves. Um, so yeah, why Lent? Because Lent is the season of confession and repentance. And this show was all about doing anything and everything except confessing and repenting, mm. you know? Yeah. At every turn. I mean, if it starts, Father Paul shows up lying to the congregation. Mm. Right. 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 Like, yeah. Yeah, like he's, he's it, just off Island. Yeah. Right. And, and we have that scene in episode three where we find out that he's a vampire uh, and that he's actually Monsignor Pruitt, um, we, we find, we f- but where he's confessing, right? But the whole thing starts in lies. And so literally the whole, the whole journey that he's inviting the congregation and by extension the island on is one that is a lie. And it's, it, it is a myth of, I want to be careful here because we'll get into some territory where I disagree with Mike Flanagan, but he grounds he grounds their hope in a false resurrection right mm-hmm. one that one that rather than providing life is only going to literally burn the island to the ground right and mm-hmm. and perpetuate a cycle of death in order to survive right and and that's the thing it's confession it's the from ashes to ashes dust to dust well if you're a vampire apparently no <laughs> no that's, right? that's the thing right vampires huh. vampires have eternal life but it's a it is a different right so they're they're not zombies right they're not reanimated corpses but they're right. also not angels or, yes. or or whatever we will be on the other side of the resurrection right they're yes. this they're this perversion of christ's gift of eternal life yes um hmm. and, and and yeah so what happens when you willingly decide not to notice the difference between those two things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many, um, just governmentally, how many breakdowns through customs does it require to smuggle the vampire right. back in from, from the middle East? Holy cow. Uh, I'm guessing that he just went through Hobby Lobby cause they're apparently very good at that. <laughs> <laughs> Hobby Lobby. And then there's that museum out in DC. That is funded by Hobby Lobby. Yeah. So, <laughs> They're like, oh, you need to smuggle something from the Middle East? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Absolutely. It's going yeah. to the museum. Did um did either of you laugh out? I paused the show and laughed out loud. There's a line in there, and I can't remember who said it. I feel like it's Bev. It could have been Riley's mom that is welcoming Monsignor um, or Father Paul back to the to the pot or the crock or the crock pot or whatever it's called, the pot line. And they say something of, we're glad to add you to the flavor here. And knowing yes. that it was like, I literally was like, that is, yes. And then they say something about like, yeah, we'll just add you right into the stew. I was like, well done, sir. I literally yes. paused it and laughed. Yes. Loved every minute it, of that. A little campy humor is always really good before the blood and core. <laughs> is it weird that I like Father Paul because he appears to engage more than most pastors that I know in really hard questions by not giving a, it's okay, just lean on God. Like he literally leans into people and is like, yeah, there's a lot of beliefs there. Like it does suck. Let me tell you about what I've learned. Is it weird that I like that of him? No, I don't think it's weird. Right? Just I think it's, it's what we want. Yeah. Except the vampire part. Right. <laughs> and it makes me wonder what kind of pastor he was before his dementia set in. Mm. It's difficult mm. for me to believe that Bev would have stayed in his church based on personal experience as a pastor. Mm. <laughs> yes. Mm. <laughs> yes. Fair enough. I mean, she didn't have any other option on the crock, but um, yeah, I, uh, Kathy, I think you were the one that said, like, apparently, you know, she, Paul pastored Bev into the person that she is. Right. right? Or at least right. had a big hand in it. So that 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 is part of my question is was he always this guy? Mm. It doesn't seem like it. Uh, Katie, isn't that the 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 pregnant woman's name? Um mm. Aaron. She did not seem Aaron. to have that reaction. Aaron. No, Aaron. Aaron is yeah. the one. Yeah. Yep. I think the I think her the actress is named Katie. Um anyway, uh yeah, it doesn't it doesn't seem like it seems like uh, he is a breath of fresh air to the island. Mm-hmm. And so that made me wonder, like, where was all of this uh, very, honestly, very excellent pastoring up yeah. until he's right. drinking their blood? Yeah. Um, <laughs> until uh, I never, I didn't, I don't have a seminary degree, um, but my understanding is in, in seminary 101, they say don't drink your parishioner's blood. Like, that's one of the, well, like, first things you learn. It's probably school. a prerequisite class kind of thing, <laughs> is I hope. I hope it's it's um, this will be very sarcastic. Yeah. It's it's a new transubstantiationism. It's just a way to practice differently. Very. I'm, I made everybody mad. I made everybody mad. <laughs> Is this the emergent church? <laughs> Yikes. Uh, no, but I wonder where like because again, Seth, I think you're right. Like when you're watching him pastor people, you're like, man, this is amazing. And mm-hmm. I wish I had a pastor like that. And this is so great. But you're like, OK, so. He does seem people aren't like, oh, he's just like Father Paul. Yeah. Right. You know, they're like, it seems different. So I, I, I did wonder if that was just something Mike Flanagan was sort of like hoping we would yeah. skip past. Another thing know? I wonder about is, so he is aware that Aaron is his daughter. Um, and he also Not seems... Aaron, um, the doctor. You're right. No. No, I wait. think Aaron is. Yeah. Aaron yeah. is the daughter. Aaron's the Aaron daughter. Is... Yeah. Oh, no, no, That's... no, no, wait. You're right. The doctor is the daughter. It's, it's the, doctor the doctor who is a lesbian who is caring for her aging mother. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. So there's a there's okay. a thing that says he's coming back to save his mistress because he knows that she's not in good in a good spot, which I'm fine with that. But I, I misspoke. You're right. Aaron's not the daughter, but that doesn't change my question. So it appears as though once you have this site, you can literally see blood coursing in different ways through human anatomy. So I keep wondering whether or not he knew that she was pregnant and then also then knows 
oh, she's not pregnant anymore and somehow is fine with that. But I just Mm. continue to wrestle with that. Um, Just because it appears as though in the scenes afterwards that you're like, yeah, it seems like he would have seen that little heartbeat course or at least heard it or sensed it, that there's too much volume of blood here. Yeah. Everyone knew she was pregnant, right? Yeah. So that's... there's part of me that wonders like why this a-hole would be oh fine fine knowing that she's no longer pregnant anymore and just not talking about it um but anyway that's neither here nor there that's all part of the part of him lying to himself yeah yeah right Right? like he he has to be okay with everything that's happening you know And, and aaron's aaron's pregnancy and then the way her body consumes the baby is i think one of the um for me, it was one of the most powerful illustrations of how the vampire and Father Paul's ministry were fundamentally anti-Christ because Jesus's life is meant to be generative and life-giving. And uh, Father Paul, what Father Paul brings to the island is fundamentally parasitic, mm. <laughs> right? So, so again, you made the transubstantiation joke, Seth, right? But that's the whole thing, right? Like Jesus gives us his body and blood to consume yeah the vampire consumes right. others it's not right? the so other is, way around it is, mm. it is literally anti it is the definition of antichrist thank you for right? saving that for me so that i wasn't branded as, as an additional heretic i appreciate you <laughs> <laughs> i knew i knew that some of your listeners are hanging on by a thread so i, I well hey again yeah. um i feel like if they know me they're not hanging on by a thread because um i <laughs> i highly i highly try to filter myself on what i say publicly but privately <laughs> been enough weeks you know what that sound means 15, 30 seconds tops. I'm going to be back in just a second. Who has the better answer for what happens when we die, Riley or Aaron? Can I just roll my eyes back in the back of my head? Yeah. Sure. sure. <laughs> Why? You don't like the question? No, no, no. I think it's a great question. I. Uh, are you trying I, to remember what they say? No, 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 no. I, I, Aaron I, said I will, a lot. Aaron said a I, lot. Too much, actually. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I I don't know. I enjoy the show's attempt to appeal to mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that it exactly worked for me. It felt like uh, it felt like the ending of The Good Place in a lot of ways for me, which which also felt a little bit like a cop out. Um, mm-hmm. I also guess I don't I don't spend a lot of anxiety worrying about what's going to happen after we die either. I think I think I've reached a place where I'm fine with it being mysterious and uh, a place for faith. And so I enjoy discussing it academically. Um, yeah, I don't know, Kathy. Did you have any strong? No, I just think about okay. So one, I had strong feelings about Aaron talking so much at the end about death. It was it like after about ten seconds, I was like, if you stopped now. I would be good. (laughs) Yeah, but it kept going. And in that, I felt a little bit like, oh, this is what I grew up with, which is trying to explain the thing that nobody can explain. Mm. Uh, you, You can't, we don't die. And then at least in the tradition that I was raised, come back and talk to people um, unless that happens in scripture, right? So in reality, we're told you can't believe in spirits of your ancestors, only the Holy Spirit. And yet we're saying that we are resurrected. So 
um, Aaron talking bothered me because it felt like this fear and trying to explain something that we don't know. And it should be okay that we don't know. What I um, appreciated about what's his name? I, I'm so bad with character names. Riley? Riley, you know, choosing and, and, and in some ways this, um, it looked terribly painful, but also peaceful, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I've been thinking a lot about death lately, as um, we finally did our estate planning and Mm. made sure our kids signed papers so that if they are hospitalized, we can get the information as parents, because they're all adults, they're all, you know, 18 and older, Mm -hmm. is this sense of, uh, Western approach to death is out of fear. It's very fearful. It's very like, are we going to keep ourselves alive or are we going to allow somebody to have the power to pull the plug mm. and the hand wringing around that? And I felt like Riley's approach, though the idea of burning to death does not appeal, this sense of like, I know this is this is the way, this is the only way. <laughs> Hmm. And so in that respect, I feel like from the, from the Christian tradition that I was raised taught me to fear death, even though at the end is supposed to be like all rainbows and wings. The reality is more along the line of like, this is what happens. Let's just make the best of it. Mm -hmm. And what a way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, to lean into that, I prefer Riley's answer. And so the scene that I'm talking about is when they're on the couch, which I don't think is actually in the last episode. It's maybe like episode four or something. They Well, they do a flashback, and Aaron gives a different answer. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, but they flash back to that couch scene, yeah. Yeah, so no, Riley's answer is for me the one because I just, maybe it's the five in me. I just love the way that he is describing the process of death. Like like literally he says, um, maybe my brain releases a flood of DMT which is a psychedelic drug release when we dream. But I dream bigger than I've ever dreamed because it's just one big last dump of, of DMT. My neurons are firing and I'm seeing a firework display of memories and imagination. And we just empty the effing missile silos and then I just stop. And then he goes on to talk about, you know, as I'm broken apart, I'm feeding life and my atoms become the plants and I'm just part of the freaking cosmos. And I, for some reason, I like that. Um, getting back to what you said earlier, JR. So um, I've ever since I watched, so it's been a few years, I'm perfectly fine with wherever I was before I existed. And I'm pretty sure I'm going to be perfectly Mm. fine with wherever I'm going after I consciously exist here. Um, And I'm not entirely certain that it's the church's business where I'm going. It's more about what I'm actually doing um, and building and partnering and et cetera. Um, But that's not necessarily midnight mass, but, um, but yeah, anyway. Well, and, and that's not actually how we die, right? Or that's not how we treat death. Mm. Presently, we are embalmed with chemicals. We're put in caskets that have metal in them, in Mm -hmm. concrete, right? So we actually, in that, don't allow one another to die and feed the earth Mm. and all of those things. Again, it goes back to that sense of fear that Mm. drives people into perpetuating lies about how you can live so that you can get to the other side. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's funny. I have a, I have a good friend who, um, her father's passing created a pretty significant crisis of faith for her mm. 
because of her evangelical belief in the resurrection of the body yeah. and her recognition that I, so let me back up and circle back and come back to it. Um, I think the uh, mummification or the preservation of the body uh, was a thing that made sense for people uh, in death rituals when the population of the earth was, you know, under a million people. And when uh, you're losing, you know, two or three people a year max in your community, and there's a very, you know, there's a very small manageable kind of cemetery graveyard space. And the question of, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't really understand matter and atoms and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, what happened for my friend when her father died was she sort of had the scientific realization that there's, there aren't enough like atoms in the world for everyone to be resurrected bodily and there still be a world hmm. and the reality that the atoms literally the literal atoms that made up that comprised her father's body had at some point been part of other people's bodies in history and so to raise his body necessarily meant in a closed universe not raising someone else's body and and then what are the implications of that once his atoms go on to someone you know so it's 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 really working through like the science of hmm. death and decay and and coming to this like if if there is a physical resurrection in any meaningful sense it can't look anything like what we understand no with our you know in our current universe and yeah. and that just that created a massive disruption yeah for her yeah not to be more macabre um, but i've told my wife um how i want in tongue-in-cheek but if she does it i will love her so much more told her to have me cremated and then have me packaged up in one of those massive illegal fireworks, set me off on our anniversary and explode in the sky so I can go out with a bang. And it's probably the dad joke at the end that nailed it for her as it's not going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, I said it as tongue in cheek. And, she, um, and we talked about it after my after we buried my father last year. Um, it's tongue in cheek. But anyway. But it's it's real, right? And even even in the final episode, all the the fire and the explosions, mm -hmm. and how Riley chooses, you know, his death. He goes out on a, a rowboat or canoe. Yeah. I don't know what vessel it was, but out onto the sea, and because he's exposed to the sun, just burns up. Um, again, that that doesn't that's not the norm here in the U.S. And yet that's all built around this fear of what happens to our bodies, our physical bodies after we die. And my parents and I, we have talked um, a lot about that and they've come to a place where they're like, yeah, we, we would like, we're going to, we want the funeral thing and we want the whole wake thing and for you to cry and feel really, really bad. And then we want to be cremated so that it's less space and yeah. it doesn't yeah. do all that. And I want to become pencils listeners you That's can a thing? use yes it's a thing and then peter wants to be pressed into a record um vinyl um and what's my mom yeah, what's the song uh, yeah. he has i don't think he's just determined a song yet he's got some time um and then my mom has said that she wants to be pressed into like diamonds and that my sister and i could wear her on our hearts mm. i would go with comfortably numb on vinyl that feels like lyrically <laughs> It's a great way to die. I've become comfortably numb. 
Um, I was hoping if, if Peter goes first, uh, Kathy would have it be my boyfriend's back. So she could just play it if any suitors come over. <laughs> so the the final episode, which I want to talk about that because JR has been on record on, on the social medias as well as uh, earlier before you got here, Kathy, that he doesn't like it. But I would like to say that that scene where Riley um, commits suicide, arguably, although I guess he's technically already dead. Um, is broken because it's a wooden rowboat and he is burning very hot and nothing else burns except for him. So that's a broken scene. But for me, that scene is one motivated out of fear because he either doesn't trust himself to eat other people or he doesn't trust himself to not eat her after he tells her the truth. And so he set up the situation in such a way that at least he's ending that circle of, of reciprocity, even if he does end up, you know, consuming her or turning her into whatever she's turning into. Um, you know, because they're so far out that even if she gets converted, she's going to come back up from water and get burned immediately and then go back under. But maybe that's just my, you know, pessimistic interpretation, pessimistic interpretation of, I see what you did and that's kind of nice, but you also set it up in such a way that even if you failed, you succeeded. And that's not really a win. That's, that's a cop out. (laughs) That's kind of cheating. Yeah. It's kind of a cop out. Uh, it's it's Kirk. It's Kirk beating the Kobayashi Maru, right? It's yes. Kobayashi Maru. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Ch- yeah. 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 So why do you why do you hate happy endings, Jr.? <laughs> it's not a happy ending. It's a cop out. <laughs> uh, okay. So this actually goes back to some of my uh, some of the reason I didn't care for either Aaron or Riley's um, read of what happens after we die. Um, so, and again, for people who haven't watched the show and I know there are a lot of you that you don't like horror. And so you just like to listen to things like this. I don't know that it's horror. Well, it's definitely not, but you know, there's a vampire in it. Um, okay. There was that Vox article that went around that people hated on, but I actually agreed with largely, um, that said that Mike Flanagan doesn't make horror. Uh, and I kind of agree with them. Um, but here's the thing. If you haven't watched it, folks. Uh, people are wondering like, oh, like is all this religion stuff like actually intentional? Like, well, one, yeah, the main character's priest. For two, like the episodes are named Genesis, Psalms, Proverbs, Gospels, Acts of the Apostle. You know, yeah, it's real intentional. Um, <laughs> the last episode is called Revelation after the That's book right. of the Bible, Revelation, uh, which I have a whole different rant about that where people are like, well, I just don't know if anyone knows how to read it. We do know how to read it. Actually, the church has been reading it for 2,000 years. Um, just because Tim LaHaye got in there and jacked everything up for people doesn't mean that the majority of the church doesn't know how to read it. It's fine. Um, it's hard. Yeah, Though they don't quote weird. Revelation at all in that chapter. It's all... It's, That's a great point. It's yeah. all Genesis yeah. and Matthew, <laughs> but... But there's so much, like, it's it's so clear. Like, even with with Father Paul being the beast in Revelation, with Bev being the false prophet, uh, and even mm-hmm. I would argue that the, the, the vampire being the Satan character um, who's empowering the beast. Uh, I mean, there's there's so much, the burning of the ships, like that's straight out of right. Revelation. Like there's so much. Um, but I think, uh, I think, I think Flanagan in, in his drive to tell a deeply personal story missed the, uh, for lack of a better way to say it off the top of my head, like he missed the social implications of the New Testament and arguably of, of the Christian, all the Christian canon. Um, Revelation is not a story about the end of the world. Revelation is a story about how the world can be, how God can be said to be just when the world is so obviously unjust. And, uh, 
I mean, I thought like when I'm sitting there listening to Riley and Aaron talk about their ideas of what happens after you die, like I just kept rolling my eyes because I was like, yeah, neither of you has really suffered in this life, uh, particularly not at someone else's hands. Um, uh, you know, Aaron was, well, I, okay, I shouldn't say that. Aaron wasn't an abusive relationship and that she got out of. You know, Riley has his whole trauma with the the girl that he killed and keeps seeing her. But again, that was his choice, right? Mm-hmm. He, he, he was an alcoholic. Um, but they're both white. You know, they both come from what seemed to be at least middle-class backgrounds. Um, Before the spill. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, both of them like seem like they've ended up back in the crock pot because they don't have any choice, but their lack of choice means they still have a roof over their head and three square meals and employment and you know, all this kind of stuff. Like they're, they're like nowhere else to go looks a lot different from a lot of people's nowhere else to go. Um, they're not on government assistance. They're not living in a, in an oppressive tyrannical, you know, system. Um, and, and the book of Revelation is, is that, that's what the book of Revelation is about. It is this big, sweeping, like, social book about how God brings justice uh, and what that looks like for people who are living unjust lives, you know, and what it looks like for people who are marginalized. And I just felt like that was completely missing, which again, people have been like, well, that's not the story Mike Flanagan was telling. I'm like, oh, I know, but then let's call it what it is, right? Like he's co-opting a story about one thing to serve a story about something else. And like, it's okay for us to criticize that. Like Hmm. um, Revelation is not a book that's trying to make us feel good about what happens after we die. Um, That's, that's not. And if you take, if you take that from it, that's fine. You know, streets of gold are, are nice and whatever, but it's really about, it's really about justice. Uh, it's really about what God's reign on earth as it is in heaven is, is going to look, is going to look like. And it's about hope for marginalized people. Uh, and so turning it into, uh, we all stand in a circle and sing a hymnified kumbaya, um, I just, I, I was like rolling my eyes so hard. And I was like, really? After all of the careful good work you did in this whole show, this is what you're leaving us with? Hmm. Is this like saccharine, sappy? Uh, and again, to me, it was it was just more, it was, it was even at the end, they can't face the reality. reality. Yep. Bev, is, Bev is the only one who does. And she acts out the scene when the fifth seal in Revelation is broken and the kings of the earth uh, cry out to the mountains to hide, uh, you know, hide us from the wrath of the lamb. And she's digging in the dirt, um, you know. Yeah. uh, She's the only one who faces the reality of what has happened to her or what, sorry, the reality of who she is and what she's done and, and, and responds appropriately with terror. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I just, I just didn't see, I just didn't see any of that anywhere. I think honestly, the the closest thing you got besides that was the sheriff and his son. Mm. Mm. I do want to talk you about know? the sheriff and the son. Kathy, do you also hate the ending? Yeah. Oh yeah, I hated the ending. Huh. I hated it. It was a cop out. It was total cop out of, oh, so after all of that, it's fine. We're fine. It's all good. And to me, again, that feels very. I mean, it feels very in line with the way things are going politically. It feels mm-hmm. very in line with the way the Western white evangelical church handles things. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, these things happened back then, even though it's literally in the show just a couple of weeks ago or maybe like hours ago. And but it, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And um, and I didn't 
I didn't like that because mm. I, uh, I want my vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> I want the comeuppance at the end. And yeah, it would have been great to see Bev burn, but I did like her trying to dig herself into hiding because she knew what was going to happen. Right. Whereas everybody else is like, Oh, let's just hang out with the people we love. And you know, the priest and his, his oh, that made gonna, me so bad. Oh, I hated that. I hated that. And we're going to bring our dead daughter and we're just going to hang out on this bridge and what, like what, what only. And that again, for me felt quintessential, American church, wrap it up with a bow, because at the end, all that matters, doesn't matter how you lived your life. If at the very end you say, I believe Mm. that's all that matters. Right. So it's that like, Oh, you're, I want, I want the apology. I want the acknowledgement of what happened. And so that the ending just felt like, Of course. Yeah. yeah, but they had the tempo of Nearer My God to Thee slowed way down, which is that Kumbaya song you're talking about, JR. I, I'm pretty sure it's Nearer My God to Thee, because it's actually in a yeah. few episodes. It's actually kind yes. of interwoven throughout most of the show, um, which is clever as well. I don't know the history of that of that hymn. I, I should look it up. Maybe it yeah, has even more either, than that. I don't either, but also played in a way that I don't know, you know, I feel like a lot of churches don't know how to sing and play hymns. Mm. So every hymn becomes Thank a Thank you, Passion. Thank you. Right. (laughs) Like every hymn becomes a dirge. And I'm Mm. like, so anyway, hated Mm. the ending. Yeah. So I, I love the sheriff's character, but for Mm -hmm. a reason that I, I, again, I haven't literally searched the internet to get other people's opinions. Um, mostly because I didn't, I wanted to make sure when I talked to y'all, my, my thoughts were mine. Um, I love the thought of a different type of faith community coming alongside in community with the church, looking at it going, that's not God. Please son, don't do that. Cause that's not God. Like, I might say I worship a God, but I don't know what that is, but that's not God. Stop, mm-hmm. don't, don't get involved with that. And I love you enough to let you do it. And I might even show up and sit next to you, but this is not God, even all the way to the very end, like literally limping, mm-hmm. shot, hurt, bleeding, worshiping at the end even, um, like, a, like a heroic figure of that's not God and we don't even worship the same quote unquote God. Mm-hmm. Thoughts on, on that whole, I don't want to say monolithic, placement of, of of islam because i don't think that's what it is but i do like that it's just a different faith he's an other right yeah, yeah. He's, mm-hmm. uh it, it was effective in a way that having an evangelical or a mainline protestant on the island would not have been mm. right. you know, um i don't know okay yeah kathy i'm curious how you how you read their you know i it was it was uncomfortable because the moment you meet him you know you know you know how the island is going to respond to him. You know he's going to be an other. You you know that, or at least I hope people know that. I, I'm, <laughs> right? I'm going to give people the benefit of the doubt, which sometimes fails me. But and so for watching that felt really uncomfortable, particularly as somebody who was so rooted in the evangelical space, still being considered an other. Mm. Right. So for me, it was like it didn't matter what religion I said I practiced. I practiced the same religion, but because I look different and some of the things that my family does, the language we speak is different. We're still other. And so it felt a little bit like, well, of course, the easy trope is to put a Muslim family who has lot. Why is it always the mother is dead? Like, 
it's like, it's like Disney, the mother always dies. <laughs> and, and so I, you know, that felt expected in a, in a, in a show that was going to use uh, the Protestant faith, the foil has to be something that we recognize as other. So mm-hmm. that, that felt easy, but, um, uh, but, and it can easily be turned around, right? That's what evangelicals feel, white evangelicals often feel like they are the sheriff looking at the world saying, oh, that's not of God. That's not of God. That's not of God. So I think it's, it's a tricky play mm-hmm. because, those those roles can easily be switched out in the mind of the white church whereas for me who have you know as a as a woman of color asian american korean american i have some proximity because of education and socioeconomic status and yet over and over it's been proven to me that i'm still the other mm. that that i can speak flawless english and raise third generation American children. And I'm still told you should be grateful for being in this country, mm. literally just three weeks ago. Mm. So, um, so I think it's hard. I love the character and the, the, the sheriff and his son and that relationship feels real in the tension of any religious family having a child who is just being a child Mm. and wanting to figure things out on their own. And I loved the, the, the like, please don't go, but fine. Okay. Then I'm going to show up with you. I hope that I have continue to show that courage as my adult children walk their own lives of faith, because I have to tell you that the church has not modeled that for me. Mm. And I, so I, I look to that and I go, Oh, so it's okay to tell my children, I really (laughs) don't like this. And I no longer have the power to ground them because they're 20 years and older, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, but right. The current church, tradition has not given me the tools to walk with them in their own journey. And so that was a little bit of like, Oh, I can forbid it until a certain point, but what does it look like to maybe come alongside? And even at the end, will they, will they come home? Hmm. You know, will they come home and whatever that looks like um, that for me felt good. That was like the only good part of that ending was I don't have to force it. I just hope that my children don't have to deal with vampires. (laughs) You know, uh, so, so my parents divorced when I was teenager and uh, I'll, I'll try to speak as broadly as possible. One of my parents is significantly less emotionally healthy than the other. And it was difficult to see that. Uh, during that time that I was a teenager. Um, But I figured it out eventually. And I have a number of friends who uh, are divorced and who are struggling with co-parenting in the wake of divorce. And they have one parent who is the Disneyland parent, you know, who, who just gets to, you know, either just see the kids on the weekends or, or is just committed to making the other parent look bad, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff. And, 
and of course, uh, because teenagers are teenagers, like I was a teenager, like we, you know, we all at one point were, uh, I think, I think we fall for the, the fun parent syndrome, you know? And so as I'm, as I'm counseling and and sitting with my friends and grieving, you know, the, the struggles that they're in, one of the things I keep telling them is like, your kids are going to figure it out eventually. Like I figured it out eventually. And yeah, I had to apologize to my parent, Mm. you know, for, for how I treated them. Um, but uh, I think that's what we were seeing in a lot of ways. You know, again, I think it's it, one of the things the show didn't even really call attention to, but was just there was the way that Ali wants to rebel by fitting in, mm-hmm. you know, which is such a teenager thing to do, right? Like, uh, I don't want to be like my dad. I want to be like everyone else because I want to be different. Okay. Um, <laughs> again, I did that. I'm sure we all did that in some way. Uh, but yeah, he figures it out at the end because when you get right down to it, if you're willing to step back and be honest, it's not hard to tell the difference between God and a vampire. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. not actually, it's not a trick oh. question. It's not hard. You know, when, when it comes right down to it, uh, yeah, one of them is, one of them is only destroying everything. And one of them is a source of life and hope and healing, you know, and uh, it gets confusing because of the way we religify everything. I don't think that's a word, um, but it is now it is. There we go. Yeah. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, like I think, mm-hmm. I think when we get right down to it and we ask what is good, what is true, what is, what is healing, what is wholesome and the best meaning of that word, it's not actually that hard to tell the difference. And I think, I think the, I think the problem is we've grown up in church cultures that don't ask those questions. And so end up promoting a lot of junk that is not that, you know, we have a lot of vampires hiding in our church closets. And, and so what we have taught people to think is like, if it's of church, it's of God, rather Mm -hmm. than if it's good, it's of God. Right. And that means our churches need to ask that question too. Mm. You know, um, Mm. we've let, we've let our Bev's and our Monsignor Pruitt's run the church for too long. Um, both, both the like obvious cartoonish villains, except they're not cartoonish because we all know Bev, but, and the, and then the well-meaning ones too, right. Who will, who will willingly make the small, seemingly innocuous compromises if it means things can be great again. Which is Riley's mom. Yeah. 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 And and most of the adults, right. On the Island at some point are they, there's, there is something they want that they see is within reach if they choose to 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 become vampires, to follow along and play along with the rules of this new society. And yeah. I think that's the hard part of it all is, um, and that's why, you know, good intentions don't matter <laughs> because yeah. if you don't check them at the beginning, they continue to grow into this deep selfishness without realizing you're, you're surviving on other people's death. Yeah. And as violent as horror can be, and this show for people, um, and for me, the parallel is also Squid Game, right? It's I have not the, watched that yeah. yet. Should I watch that? You should watch it. Okay. You I've should watch it. it. Right. So people talk about the violence and the blood and it's kind of like, oh, but we do this on a daily basis to one another without the blood. Does that make it better? 
No, actually it doesn't because it is the blood that makes us go, ooh, mm. whereas otherwise we can kind of blind ourselves to the drive for personal wealth and gain and feeding our own addictions. That's exactly what is happening on the island. That's what happens in Squid Game. And this kind of um, purity around, oh, well, I, I don't, it's, it's too violent for me. And I just think, oh, you don't live in a capitalist society? That mm. is, we are violent to one another. Mm. Well, we, hide, we build systems that hide the violence. Oh, absolutely. Or, or numb it. So we mm -hmm. don't feel it. And we, we say, oh, it's a good thing that we have weekends. <laughs> and isn't that wonderful? And just in case, spend all of your Sunday at your church to make sure you feel good about the rest of the week where you are working to the bone yeah. in a doggy dog world so that you can have your share. Yeah. Yeah. For me, the line. And, and so I, I was telling JR, I watched some of the show again. So I was rewatching episode one and there's a line in there spoken by the sheriff that I think encapsulates the whole show. And honestly, faith in general. So there's a part where um, Joe, the guy that his dog died, is literally wakes up and he's in jail. And he's like, you locked me up, Sheriff. And he's like, no, you were you were literally trying to get in here, so I just let you in. If you'd have had a better aim, you'd have broken everything on the way in. And like this thought about, fine, if that's what you want, I'll give that to you. Mm -hmm. um, which is actually a good way, I think, to think about God as well. If that's what you want... Okay, I think it's a bad choice, my my son or my daughter or my whatever. Yeah, that's a mm -hmm. bad. But I'll okay. That's you know, um, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's too over oh, overgeneralized. But totally yeah. with you. But mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So so this is not about midnight mass, but it's something that I've asked everyone. Um, and so uh, as a, as just kind of a final question, I'm curious when y'all try to say what God is, what is that? What do you tell people? Hmm. God is all that is good and beautiful and hopeful um, that gives life, not in some future that I don't know yet, but in the now. Mm. And so God is present when I watch my daughter dance, when I listen to my son talk about the beauty and the lessons he's learning watching anime and the connections my youngest makes to how he is seeing himself created beautifully in God's image when he listens to K-pop. That's God. That's God for me. Yeah, for me, it kind of depends on who I'm talking to. I, I, I usually try to express God in terms uh, kind of what Kathy just did, right. With, with each of her three children, you know, that God, God uh, is evident in different ways to, to each of her kids. Um, but recently in the last couple of years, I've been challenged uh, by a good friend of mine who's a member of my congregation. Uh, he was preaching at our, at our church on uh, mystery and on the limits of intellect and the way he framed it was a way I had never heard it before. And it really kind of unlocked some stuff for me. Um, he said, usually when we think of mystery, we think of a detective novel, which I do because I love crime novels, right? Um, that a mystery is a puzzle to be solved. 
And if you just have enough information and if you arrange the pieces in the right order, then this picture comes up and you're like, ah, you get the, you know, the your euphoria of that eureka moment. And he said, but, but divine mystery is something that is fundamentally unknowable. Like we can't, mm-hmm. we can't see the picture. It's, it's, it's too much, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's, maybe it's colors are beyond the spectrum. Our eyes can even comprehend, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it is, it is, we are, we are fundamentally incapable of, of, perceiving or beholding the thing that is mysterious and so all we can do is sit in its presence and receive it mm-hmm. and so i uh i don't know i like i was really struck by that and so i've been and that's how i've been that's how i've been thinking about and experiencing god and even communicating about god in the last couple of years that mm-hmm. god is the god is the good mystery that's at the heart of existence um, God is the source of, as Kathy said, everything that is good and true. And uh, and we know that mystery best through Jesus. Jesus is the one who mm-hmm. makes the mystery accessible to us. Uh, and so it's it's through encountering the divine mystery again and again and again and again that we can be a people who even knows what good justice work looks like. Mm. You know, who even knows what it because. Uh, Again, I'm a big fan of uh, Cornell West's uh, uh, Justice is What Love Looks Like in Public, right? And so um, if, we are, if we are participating in the divine mystery, then not only are we learning to love ourselves well, but we're also learning to love others well. And that, that you know, that looks like justice work. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, good. So where should people go? They've, they've listened. We've spoiled the show. Oh, if you're still listening, you should have watched the show. That's on you. It's not on me. It's not on That's Kathy. Right. It's not I'm on not JR. taking responsibility um, for that. Yeah, yeah, definitely not. Where do you want to direct people to to kind of jump into the stuff if they're like, yeah, I like, I like the way that JR talks about meat sacks or Kathy, you know, they, 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 they want to get into the way that, you know, you, you whatever you are, where do you want to point people towards? <laughs> Um, For me, I would say you can find me on the socials. I spend most of my time on Instagram and Twitter um, at Ms. M.S. Kathy Kong. And then I also have a blog that uh, last week I had two posts on for the first time in like two years. So so there's probably more. She's on fire. (laughs) (laughs) And that would be (laughs) KathyKong.com. Uh, I'm I'm at Jr. Foresteros anywhere that it's worth finding me, uh, <laughs> and then yeah, like my sermons and everything are at jrforesteros.com, and then uh, I I co-host a podcast and actually a couple years ago we did a big big, big rebrand and brought on a new <laughs> co-host and everything, uh, and I feel like it's been just a lot better ever since we did that. So um, that that host of course is Kathy Kong. Um, so yeah, we, we co-host the fascinating podcast together. I was going to uh, say, are you going to say what the name of the show is? Or yeah, are you just going to yeah. make them Google yeah. the names? No, <laughs> it, it, it's the this, fascinating podcast. Yeah. And this has been a great season. So yeah, it yes. really has. We've, and we're, uh, we're about halfway through and we have some more really cool stuff coming up. So, um, yeah, we talk about faith, pop culture, uh, and then a lot, I don't know. How, how do you pitch it, Kathy? Yeah, that's what I say. Faith pop culture and whatever we happen to be interested in, in the time. That's, that's yeah, what we so, talk about. Uh, we just, we just did an episode on uh, the Bible and horror and talked about the, the big ghost story in the Bible where Saul summoned Samuel's ghost. Um, we have a couple of episodes on LGBTQ inclusion and religion coming up. 
Um, I think we're interviewing Dominic uh, Gilliard in a couple of weeks. He's great. Privilege. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah. So, I mean, we, you know, we, we kind of try to talk about stuff that, that is important to us and also, uh, you know, tell a lot of jokes and have some fun and yeah, that kind of stuff too. So um, I think that's it. Yeah. At JR four stars and then the fascinating podcast. So fantastic. Well, thank you both for your mornings, JR. It's I'm also equally impressed at how high you could hit that high note on key. Cause I know you're an hour behind me, so it's still relatively early because um, yeah, you have yeah. not consumed yeah. a lot of liquid. I can see you. So that's, that's impressive to be able to go up that high for fire. So thank you both so thank much you. for your time. I really appreciate thank you coming you. on. Always a pleasure, Seth. Thank you. Now, I haven't added it up, but there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of podcasts on the internet, and I am humbled that you continue to download this one. If this is your first time here, please know that there are transcripts of these shows. Not always in real time, but I do my best. And if you go back in the logs, you can find transcripts for pretty much any episode that you'd like. The show is recorded and edited by me, but it is produced by the patron supporters of the show. That is one of the best, if not the best way that you can support the show. If you get anything at all out of these episodes, if you think on them or if you, you know, you're out and about and you tell your friends about it or, hey, mom, dad, brother, sister, friend, boss, pastor, here's what I heard. What are your thoughts on that? If this is helping you in any way, and it is helping me, consider supporting the show in that manner. It is extremely inexpensive, but collectively, it is so very much helpful. Now, for you, I pray that you are blessed and you know that you're cherished and beloved. We'll talk soon.